Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, today's episode, as an introduction, I'm going to start with a question. What could an pediatric anesthesiologist possibly know about anti-aging and longevity? Not, not an obvious connection, right? But today's guest is exactly that. She's a pediatric oncologist, a pediatric anesthesiologist, excuse me, not oncologist. And what started off as a bit of a side hustle has become her expertise. And my guest today is Dr. Sandra Kaufman. Some of you guys may have already heard of her. She published a book a couple of years ago called The Kaufman Protocol. Um, and what's it called? What's the rest of it? Why We Age and How to Stop It. I don't know about you guys, but to me, that's a pretty compelling title because we are in this podcast. We're always looking, talking, exploring things that help us to slow aging, age better. Sometimes we're looking to reverse aging. We're always exploring all of these different strategies. And yes, we talk about bioregulator peptides and peptides, but sometimes you have to go a little deeper. Sometimes you have to get down to a cellular level to help optimize those pathways. And Dr. Kaufman started off even before she was a pediatric anesthesiologist, she started off as a cellular biologist. And so she was deep into cellular pathways and what makes things tick and the whole nine yards. And it kind of struck her at some point in, in her early forties, as she was starting to notice the effects of early aging on herself and she woke up one morning and said, well, wait a minute, I don't want to go down that path. And so she started doing some research and research led to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And the next thing, you know, she's published this amazing book and the amazing book was followed up with an amazing app. And I would encourage you to take a look at the app because the app helps you to kind of organize based on your goals, your age, your stage. It helps you to kind of figure out how to build your own perfect anti-aging stack depending on your level of commitment, how much money you want to spend, how many pills you're willing to swallow, the whole nine yards. Anyway, today's conversation is not about the first book. It's about what she's working on in her second book. And we talk about three compounds, two of which you've heard of before, and one which I've certainly never heard of before. So I'm going to put it out there that there's going to be one of the three, at least, that you've never heard of before. If I'm wrong, then leave me a comment um, whether you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to this on iTunes or somewhere else, then you'll have to find me on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere else and leave me a comment and let me know that, no, you were familiar with all three of these compounds. But the mystery compound is the one that literally stops your body from making fat cells. Look, I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a pretty good supplement to me. And it does exist. Um, it's not very well known. And I think it's pretty cool. So we talk about that. The other compound that we talk about is spermidine. Interestingly enough, when Sandra Kaufman her first came across spermidine in research, she was really blown away. And we talk about this in this podcast. She comes across spermidine. She starts digging about it around. And when the way that she organized the information in her book is she created these seven tenets of aging. So the seven 
seven of the big buckets, if you will, that are involved in the aging process, because you can't stop something if you don't understand it, right? And all of this is at a cellular level. And when she first came across spermidine, all of a sudden she realized, here's this compound that starts, it just starts ticking the boxes. Like it is amazing how many of these tenets of aging it hits. So she decided to go looking for supplement. And when she did, what did she find? But our friends at Primadine, Oxford HealthSpan. Um, and so she just placed an order with them. And she tells the story way better than I ever will. Um, it's kind of funny. Like they reached out to her because they, of course, knew who she was. And one thing led to another. And she now sits on their scientific advisory, advisory board. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because the sponsor of this episode, of course, as you know, I've got a couple of sponsors for the podcast and both sponsors are products that I use myself and in my practice every single day. Primadine is one of them. And I've got to tell you that Primadine, of course, is sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And you're going to learn more about Primadine than I could ever possibly tell you here in a promo spot. So all I'm going to tell you guys is that listen to the episode Listen in on all of the many reasons why Primadine is an amazing, amazing supplement to address many of the key markers of aging and decide for yourself. And I will say, especially if you're around 40, 45 and older, this thing's going to really show up for you. Not only does it address uh, aging at a cellular level, but it also helps us to have better hair, skin, nails. So stuff you can see, stuff you can't see. It's pretty amazing. Okay. Stop talking that. Here's the thing. If you're wanting to order Primadine or give it a try, you can go to primadine.com and use promo code BIONAT1515. This will be in the, in the show notes below. And yeah, and that's it. And you can use that code over and over again whenever you decide to order the stuff. Beyond that, if you're looking to connect with Dr. Sandra Kaufman, her website is thekaufmanprotocol.com or kaufmanprotocol.com. Kaufman has two N's at the end. Um, there's also the app, the Kaufman Protocol app that you can buy in the app store. And um, I'm pretty sure she might be on Instagram also, but that'll be in the show notes as well. If you're looking to connect with me, it's natnidham.com is my website. And you can always reach out to me that way. You can also find me on Facebook in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group. You can find me on MeWe in the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Group. And of course, you can find me on Instagram just at Natalie Nidham. If you get value from this podcast episode, please subscribe to the podcast, share it out with your friends, your family, anybody who you think would get value from it. And by all means, leave us a review because it's those reviews that help to, us to rise up in the rankings and help me to reach more people and also help me to get better guests to bring in to talk to you guys. And I would say like, you know what, the caliber of guests we've been getting have been amazing. Like these people are so generous with their time and their energy. It's, it's pretty special. And uh, Dr. Kaufman, like I said, she has a second book coming, and, but it won't be available for a few months. But in the meantime, you get a sneak peek and you get information on three of these superstar compounds that she's writing about in the new book. I think they're three of the 25 or 26. So there's lots more coming. And we're gonna do a follow-up interview when she's ready to publish the book, because then we'll talk about even more stuff. In the meantime, check out the episode. And also one more thing, last thing, make sure before you start taking any new supplements that you check with your doctor, 
Okay. And especially when we're talking about supplements like these that can be very powerful, they don't always work for every single person. If you've got certain health issues or conditions, there can be indications that interactions with medications or supplements you're already taking. So you must always, always take this into account, check with your medical professional before you start anything new. So thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you guys. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do what I love. I totally love doing this and um, enjoy the episode. One last thing before we get into the episodes, folks, is our sponsor. Our sponsor this week is Primadine. Primadine is Spermadine. It is a food-based supplement with an extremely high safety profile that halts six of the nine hallmarks of aging. It is the purest on the market with zero fillers and a formulation that also supports the endogenous production of spermidine, our active ingredient, through a prebiotic. So the only ingredients you will find in this beautiful capsule are defatted concentrated wheat germ extract. They've removed the fat so to avoid any chance of oxidation of that fat because these are very delicate omega-6s. So in this case, it's better just not to have them all together because they get damaged so quickly. Um, and a fructooligosaccharide to selectively feed specific bacteria in the gut biome. For those of you who are into this kind of thing, these would be the fuso and bacteriides bacteria in the gut biome. That's it. That's all you get. No excipients, no fillers, none of that stuff. Also incredible about primidine or spermidine in general is that not only do you get all the amazing under the hood benefits of DNA protection, folding of proteins, autophagy, and, and more, you also get the visible results. And people will find after a couple of months, usually, I mean, almost always, I, I'm actually amazed at the number of people, men and women who report this, that their nails are stronger, their hair is thicker and fuller, and their skin looks amazing. So if you decide that you would like to try this for yourself, you will want to go to primadine.com, use promo code BIONAT15. So that's be like Bob, I-O-N-A-T-1-5-15. That'll give you 15% off your entire purchase. And that promo code can be used over and over again. Thanks for listening. And if you decide to give it a try, don't forget to let me know. Let me know what you think. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the episode, Dr. Kaufman. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks. I am thrilled to be here today. I think this is going to be tons of fun. Yes, it is. Because as people know who listen to this podcast, I generally record a pod don't record the podcast before the podcast. So we generally have a pretty good idea of whether or not we're going to have fun or not. And I think we're going to have a good time. Um, so we are gathered here today uh, to talk about longevity and, you know, and I, I mean, I was going to say anti-aging. I'm not a big fan of that term. Personally, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of the healthy aging concept because we're moving around the sun, whether we like it or not. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a question of style and function. Would you agree? <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I actually, I refer to it as longevity medicine. Nice. Nice. I, I think it's more yeah. realistic. Well, and you know, what's, what's really interesting about longevity medicine is when you consider that a lot of people, well, the, that how aging is starting to be redefined as a disease state. Um, and so therefore longevity medicine is exactly what it should be called. 
if, if yeah, we and, and I, and I think that, you know, by reducing it to biohackers or to people that think they're going to live forever, I think it puts us in the realm of uh, a little bit of craziness. And so to <laughs> introduce the word medicine makes it sound very formal. Plus I'm a physician, as you said, yeah. um, and, and longevity just basically means we're going to increase people's health span as well as their lifespan with the goal of just making regular people have a better existence. And, and I think that's what people really want. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I do, I, I smile when people talk about living to 150 or 160, because I have to say, and, and people may shut me down right now, but I find that concept slightly exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, my goal is actually 120. Yeah, uh, no, 120 is good. As long as I'm still walking around and doing my thing and not, not failing, you know, I just, I, I just don't, I, I don't want to spend the last 10, 15, 20 years of my life sitting in a chair trying to remember what I had for, or anything really. <laughs> Oh, oh, no, without a doubt. And, you know, I see a lot of people in nursing homes or I used to when I did adult medicine and, you know, they were trached, sitting in their little wheelchairs, completely incoherent and drooling. And of course, that's nobody wants that. Nobody wants that at all. But if you can live to 100, 110, 120 and continue to do what you want with your life, then then it's a win win. You can be productive. You can work. You can visit your grandkids or however many uh, generations you have at that point. Yeah. Um, my actual goal is to fall off a cliff when I'm about 120 because I'm a rock climber and no doubt by then my, <laughs> my stamina will have fallen a bit. And that, fi- that finger strength may have uh, failed just a tiny bit. Right. Just, you know, I get another 60 some years and I, I, I don't want to be in that wheelchair either. I want to live my life to the absolute fullest as well as I possibly can and then go out with a bang. Amazing. All right. Well, that's, that's our goal. So let's talk about that. But let's talk a little bit about you and how you're a pediatrics anesthesiologist, are you? Yeah. So as a pediatric anesthesiologist who specializes, and when I first, when I, the first podcast I heard, I listened to with you, it almost sounded like longevity was your side hustle. And oh, longevity is my side hustle. Okay. It's a very cool side hustle. And now a side hustle that's produced one book with another one on the way. So why don't we talk a little bit about it for people who haven't heard from me about you before? Why don't we talk a little bit about how the pediatric anesthesiologist has longevity as a side hustle? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good question. So I, I started my professional career uh, as a cell biologist. Um, once upon a time, I was a plant physiologist, but I spent a ton of time looking at the inner workings of cells. Um, mitochondria were replaced by cl- uh, chloroplasts, but essentially it all kind of worked the same. And I was just really obsessed with cells and what they did and how they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, however, throughout this uh, pseudo career, I realized that cells don't pay bills and plants don't either. So my dad said, if you go to med school, uh, I'll pay for it. Oh, that's a good right? offer. There's a that's deal. a tough offer to turn down. Yeah. Right. So I went to med school and I did a year of general surgery. I did a neurosurgery and I decided that anesthesia was like the coolest thing in the world because you get to deal with pharmacology and pharmacokinetics and pathologies and you get to do interventions. And it's just the most amazing specialty in the world. Um, But when I got to pediatrics, it was just amazingly fun Hmm. Um, because everything's tiny and everything is by kilo and the diseases are a little bit different um, a bit, but you can take all of these sort of things and, and, and tie them up into how bodies work and how they fail, right? right? 
And physicians tend to look at things on an organ basis or a systems basis. And I look at things on a cell basis because that's where I came from. Right. So I'm also, as I mentioned, a rock climber. And I was hanging off a cliff in my mid forties. Um, and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is, I, I, I love this. I live for this stuff. And if I age, I am doomed. Right. Right. So right. I thought I can figure this out. How hard can it possibly be? I, I love the, if I age as if it's an option. <laughs> oh, it's totally optional. But when I started doing this, of course, you know, I was a laughing stock of the anesthesia department, which is okay. Cause I'm the chief. They can laugh at me all they want. I'll just fire them. Yeah. I'm totally <laughs> kidding with that. Love your style. Yes. And, and my kids thought I was ridiculous. In fact, everyone thought I had just, you know, gone over the top with this, but I plunged into all the basic cell research that I could possibly find. Um, my office looks like, looked like a post-it uh, factory had exploded. Every little tidbit of anything was on a yellow post-it, rearranged everywhere. And over the course of time, these piles fell into seven very distinct categories. So I came up with the seven tenets of aging. And I didn't mean to do that. It just sort of did it itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, which knows when you, you know you're on the right track when things start falling into place. So why don't we, I mean, again, let's, even though you've probably talked about this ad nauseum, let's talk about the seven tenets of aging because it's a beautiful organization system because so, so often we talk about healthy aging compounds or practices and they always tie back to one of these seven areas. Right. So, so what I did, the other thing I do, um, as, as a scientist, I, I know what I'm going to be talking about. And I know that some people are going to get it and some people aren't, right? So at the same time, I developed a factory model, which, which is in the book. So you probably have sort of seen part of it. Um, so that anyone can sort of understand this. This mm-hmm. is the goal. I want everyone to be able to understand. So I tend to flip back and forth between the two um, examples. So if I get it confused, I, I, I apologize. I don't mean to mix metaphors in any way. But my goal is, is global understanding. Yeah, no, and metaphors rock. <laughs> I think they're kind of fun, right? People oh, go, yeah. oh my God, that's hysterical. And then they don't ever forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so tenant one is what I call DNA alterations. Yep. And it's the informational system of your cell. Everyone knows what DNA is. Um, many, many things happen to your DNA over time. The big two, of course, is epigenetic modification and telomere shortening. Yeah. Right. And there are things that we can do to fix those. Um, and there are other things too, packaging of DNA, et cetera, et cetera. But that in general is, is tenant one. Okay, great. Tenant two is energy. To run your factory, you need an energy source. And to run your cell, you need an energy source, which of course are the mitochondria. Yep. And same thing in this category. Mitochondria fail for many, many reasons, but the big two are nicotinamide deficiency and free radicals that don't get scavenged. Perfect. Nicotinamide being your whole NAD pathway, salvage pathway, the whole nine yards. You need NAD for four very specific things in your cell. The biggest one is this energy production. Uh, Briefly, the other ones uh, you need is a sirtuin co-activator, need it to fix your DNA. And it also is a communication device between your OxFox system, between the nucleus and the mitochondria. Perfect. Neither here nor there. Tenant three, (laughs) tenant three is what I call pathways. Every factory has pathways, Um, be it to order things or moving pieces, this and that, the other, everything has pathways. And there are probably a zillion pathways in your body that control aging. But what I consider the big three are your sirtuins. You have 7 million sirtuins that fail over time. The AMP kinase pathway. Then of course the mTOR pathway. Yeah. And people People talk about those ad nauseum, right? This is the whole fasting 
argument and protein and caloric restriction, the whole nine yards, people are endlessly fighting about these things. <laughs> oh, no, exactly. And, and that's why the MP kindness pathways is, is sort of semi-famous. It's because of the caloric restriction. And everyone says, is it good for me? And the answer is absolutely. Um, I'm a point. terrible faster. So I, I take caloric restriction memetics that tell my body that I'm starving, but I'm not just so I can activate my AMP kinase. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's, uh, that's tenant three. So tenant yeah. four, right. Sometimes I lose track is I call the security department. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I take it back. No, we're on quality control. I'm very sorry. No, that's right. right. And you know, four. you could mix it up. We don't know. <laughs> no, but, but it's important that they stay in the right order because it's the whole numbering system. Oh, okay. Right. Right. Cause there's a numbering system in your, yes. in how you organize your book. Yeah. I, I will explain that when we get to the end of the, the tenants. So four is quality control. Yep. And like in any company, you have to check your widgets to make sure that they are being produced appropriately. And if they fail, you have to fix them. Yeah. So in this category, I have DNA repair mechanisms, mm-hmm. protein repair mechanisms, and then autophagy because it's cellular recycling of things that don't really work. So in my mind, that's all quality control. Yeah. And we love autophagy. That's another yes. one. Yes, one. Yes. Um, category five is your security system. And this is basically your immune system. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful as you are young, fights off disease, et cetera. As you get older, your immune system fails. It turns on you and it becomes your inflammatory system. Yes. So we absolutely have to get a hold of our control of that. Uh, the next one is six. I call it individual cell needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is because a red cell needs something different than a liver cell versus a brain cell. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have senescent cells in this category, which we want to get rid of. And then stem yes. cells, which we need to sort of nurse and, and keep them nice and happy. Beautiful. And all of those things obviously have different requirements. Uh, and then tenant seven, I call waste management um, because like every good company, you have to take out the trash, right? Yes. So, so big in this category is glucose management. And this is everyone's, you know, I want to, you know, stop eating sugar and blah, 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 blah. Um, and the reason that's important is because glucose non-enzymatically binds with your proteins and your lipids and your DNA, creating AGEs. Yeah. Um, AGEs are bad for many reasons. They are horribly inflammatory, uh, number one. And number two, they're very sticky. They stick to collagen. Well, they stick to everything, honestly, but they stick to things that are longest lived more. Actually, that's not completely true. They cause more damage to things that are longer lived because you can't get rid of them. For right. example, when you glycosylate a red cell, in three months, it's gone anyway. So it doesn't really matter, right? You glycosylate your hormones, you glycosylate your DNA, you glycosylate all sorts of things. But the most, one of the most things, things that we notice the most is collagen because it's the structural support system of your body. So as the, as the collagen in your skin and your bone and everything gets glycosylated, it destroys the structure and you lose integrity. And this is one of the reasons that you have heart failure without having coronary disease. It's a uh, part of having brittle bones. It's why your skin sags over time. So if you can limit the glucose and the AGE production, um, then you win. Hmm. That's um, really and, interesting. I and then lastly, this category is something called uh, lipofusion accumulation. And this is the only drawback to autophagy because the more your cells recycle, the more gunk is unrecyclable and it gets shoved in the back of cells. And so for cells that turn over um, in a reasonable period of time, it's not a big deal, but lipofusion accumulates in long-lived cells, such as your brain cells, mm-hmm. and can actually cause neurologic dysfunction. So as much as we like autophagy, we want to keep the cell as healthy as possible to actually prevent autophagy until you absolutely sort of need it, right? That, that one's right. a little bit of a double-edged sword. That's, that's really interesting. And so is there no way to clear that debris? I thought that autophagy kind of 
Like wouldn't your glymphatic system, for example, help to clear some of that cellular debris or does it just literally get stuffed in a corner? No, I call it the kitchen drawer phenomenon. Oh no, not the kitchen drawer. I hate the kitchen drawer. Right? There's so much (laughs) crap in there, right? Oh my God. And every time you clear it, it fills up again. Well, most people don't even clear it, right? I've decided that the density of crap, pardon my language, in the kitchen drawer is directly related to the length of time that you have lived in that place. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. The longer you've lived there, when, by the time you're there, like, you know, a few decades, you're not opening that drawer anymore. It is stuffed. Yeah. Um, and, and autophagy is really good about recycling most of it, but mm-hmm. there's some small percentage and it's usually um, proteinaceous stuff sort of mixed with heavy metals that the cell just doesn't know what to do with. So again, like the kitchen drawer, it just shoves it in the back and ignores it, which is fine until it's been there for 90 years. And then you're semi-screwed. And there's too much of it. So you mentioned heavy metals. Do, do you talk about in your books or think about um, helping people to clear heavy metals? Or is that, that's, I mean, I think that's kind of an aside from what the books are about, but, but. So the answer is yes and no. For example, a lot of things, uh, it's in the mitochondrial category, actually, because a lot of things that scavenge free radicals also are metochelators. Right. So. You don't want to get rid of all of these things because you need them. For example, you need manganese, you need all right. Of these, right? You need all of these things um, for various, very, I don't know, specific enzymatic reactions, right? Yeah. But the extra stuff you do want to scavenge. Um, and so conveniently, a lot of the things I talk about are metal chelators. And so you can sort of get rid of it without being horribly aggressive and sort of stay in a nice, healthy balance. Nice. Um, actually, it's interesting. I had a call with with a guy this week about a compound that, you know, it's interesting when you talk to someone and they tell you, you know, it's amazing that this compound, you know, we're seeing clinically all of these incredible effects. We know that it's moving these two particular heavy metals out. We're not exactly sure how it's doing that, but here are the downstream benefits that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so I think as more and more of these are found that are not like not the, the aggressive heavy metal chelations that people go through. And I've seen people go through some of these very aggressive chelation protocols. It destroys them. Oh, yeah. Like it, it's as harmful in some ways because it's it's almost like ripping things out of place. And if you're not replacing it with the right, if you don't provide the body with the right stuff, nature abhors a vacuum. So, you know, if it's not lead today, it'll be mercury tomorrow. Like you got to make sure to, you know, that you've got the right things in place so that you're not just willy nilly. No, no, and what's interesting is because we, by the time you get to be 40, 50, 60, your diet is pretty specific. Most people do not change their diet immediately upon hitting middle age. And so I, I until they meet me, well, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> gen- generalizations. Like yes, I, no, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Generalizations. Right. Um, but I think as a result of that, many people have micronutrient deficiencies, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. diets have one thing or another or whatever, you know? And so I actually recommend that most people take prenatal vitamins, not the heavy, heavy doses that you would if you're pregnant, but some yeah. fraction of it. If it says, you know, take three, I say, you know, take one. Yeah. Only, only because your cell turnover is equivalent to having a baby mm-hmm. and it sucks up micronutrients and you don't want to go too heavy handed, but you also don't want to, you know, destroy the health of your newborn cells by being deficient in anything. Yeah. That's, that's such a great concept. Actually, I had a teacher in school that talked about prenatal vitamins, um, long-term and to, and the same way as you, like not at full dose, mm-hmm. but just like as an insurance 
sort of like a little insurance policy. Um, well, what's interesting is if you ask any pregnant woman while they're on them, right? Oh my God, their hair is better. Their nails are this, their, their skin looks better. Since they're not pregnant anymore, they stop. Well, and, and their hormones and all of these benefits go away. And the answer is they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Plus their hormones tank at the same time. And it's a, it's yeah, a big, it's an ugly thing. Having yeah, been there a few times, it's ugly. Yeah, I've only done it once and mine was, it was under very traumatic circumstances anyway. So I didn't really notice that stuff, but yeah, I've seen it happen to other people and, and, but you know, it's, it's, and, and to some degree, maybe it's also because in pregnancy, you know, all systems are optimized in under the right circumstances to nourish this baby. And when the baby goes, the baby takes what the baby needs. Right. Oh, yeah. So oh, without a doubt, it's a full attention goes to that baby. So if the mom who, and that's why I think we tell mothers to keep taking those prenatal vitamins after birth. Well, it also helps with milk production. It helps with healing. It helps with sort of normalizing the situation of, of your body. Right. Yeah. But a lot of people doubt baby pops out and they're done. Um, I, ju I just think everyone should be on them all the time, regardless of gender or baby age. You know, I, I think that the multivitamins designed for old people are, are, are kind of um, depressing. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they assume you're old, right? So they're right? not, they're not trying to sustain life. They're trying to patch the broken ship or something. Something like that, right? So let's be optimistic and know that we're turning over cells and go straight to the multi, you know, the, the prenatal multivitamins. And, you know, I'm a sucker for things that taste good. So I get the, the chewies because they're delicious. You, don't, you get the gummies? I do. I get the gummies. <laughs> okay. You're, you're hilarious. And, and we'll talk about the donut habit in a minute, but not right now. Okay. So gummies and donuts. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about, um, let's, let's split this up a little bit. Cause I don't want to spend too much time on the first book. Cause it's out there. There's a whole well, bunch of podcasts. Let's talk, let's talk a minute about the numbering system. Cause I think that's, yes, kind of yes, yes. That's your organization. You've got a great organizational system. So first we have the seven tenets, which are right. kind of like your seven buckets or the seven ways that you've organized. Right. There's this magical numbering system that you've created to prior, basically to rank different compounds, right? Yes. So, so the way this works is once I decided on the seven tenants, I would be reading about some agent, you know, be it resveratrol, astaxanthin, carnitine, whatever it was. And I would read, you know, article that it does X really well in test tubes or in animals or in humans. And I'm like, this is amazing. So I started out with a big giant piece of graph paper, right? Mm -hmm. Tenants across the top, things down the side. I'd go check, right? Does that check. Yeah. And, oh, it doesn't do anything here. Negative. And then I would read another article and be like, oh my God, this is incredible. This is even more amazing than the last one. I'd go, oh shit, what do I do now? Check, check, right? And then I got to have like three checks and I thought this is just getting out of control. There's gotta be a way to like make this more reasonable. So what I did is I decided that if a particular agent had no evidence for anything at all in a particular tenant, it got a zero. Okay. If it had evidence in a test tube that was pretty good, it got a one. Okay. All right. right? Yeah. If, yeah. It, if it was proven to do something in rodent models, yeah. it got a two. Ooh, moving up. And if it did stuff in humans that was proven, it got a three. Okay. So we're looking so for threes. We're looking for threes, right? The caveat to that is that sometimes research hasn't been done on humans. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I have 30,000 rat studies proving something is super duper amazing, but not one human study to save my life because 
you know, like Shilajot comes from the Himalayas and there aren't two, there's not a whole lot of extra money floating around to test things. People just know it works so no one tests it. So sometimes things have twos when they probably should be threes, but I don't have a scientific leg to stand on. So I can only say that things will probably go up in number, but never down. So if I'm ever in doubt, I round down. Okay. But generally speaking, so because there's seven tenants, each agent has a seven digit number. At some point, I'm sure it'll look like a barcode, right? But right now it's why they have to stay in order. They have to stay in order. Otherwise it would make no sense whatsoever. Look at any (laughs) agent. Now you'd be see a seven digit number and you're like, oh, this agent does nothing for your DNA. Well, that's good to know, right? So when you create a program for yourself, the idea is you don't need 12 agents that do the same thing in the same category, right? Right. Right. Agents that cover all of the categories and that's where the numbering system helps. Nice. Right? I love that. I love that. And so how many agents do you think the average person should be using? Because you, in the first book, there were what, 12? How many there, agents? There's, there's 15 agents in the first book. Yeah. And, and the, the reason that there were 15 agents in the first book is I didn't actually think anyone would read the first book and I got tired. <laughs> Okay, well, now you've been proven wrong. So I have absolutely been proven wrong. Um, yeah. And I went with the reason that those particular agents got chosen is I would be reading a research article about sirtuins, as an example. And they yeah. would say, sirtuin, one, comma, resveratrol being the gold standard, comma, blah, 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 blah. Like, well, resveratrol must be important, right? So I would spend a ton of time looking up that agent. Fantastic. Then I would be reading something about glycation and it would say, ah, the following are the best glycators in the world. And it would have a list. So I looked up all of those and that's how the primary list got formed. It wasn't Joe Schmo down the street is recommending it. It wasn't yeah. Sinclair's talking about it. it. wasn't, it was all bench research. Yeah. Um, it's so about you the- falling down the rabbit hole over and over and over again. And if you kept finding yourself at the bottom of the same rabbit hole, it came up. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And people say, oh, well, some of these studies were done in East Zimbabwe and maybe they're not so valid. Right. Everyone wants American studies. So what? I figure if there's one study in East Zimbabwe, you go, "Eh, maybe not so sure. Two studies, maybe a little better. By the time you get to 15 to 30 studies, you go, this is legit. I mean, come on, this is just legit. Right. And then you have to go through the whole rigmarole of, well, what's the appropriate dose for the right person? And that that part's really, really hard because everyone's different. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, that's how the first 15 got chosen. And the idea was pick things that you think are important to you. I didn't want to dictate what people were taking. I just wanted to give them the information so they, they could make their own decisions. Yeah. Um, but in terms of number, I think it depends on who you are, what you want to accomplish and what you're willing to swallow. Yeah. For example, 30 year olds don't want to age. Well, they don't need resveratrol. They don't need nicotinamide. They need epigenetic modifiers and they need to, to protect their DNA. Mm-hmm. By the time 80, the, the whole game changes, right? By then you've got pathologies that you need to, to uh, think about, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea is that you can personalize your longevity program based on who you are and where you are in life. Yeah, I know. I love that. And the fact, and, and your app is amazing, right? So, because, you know, there's an app for that. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the app? Is it the Kaufman Protocol app? I have it. It's on my phone. It, it, it is. It is. And the reason I did this is, as you so eloquently stated before, yeah, this is like kind of not my job. This is just a hobby. Um, if you come to my office, I will put you to sleep because that's literally what I do for a living. I don't have a right, as an anesthesiologist, right? I'm an anesthesiologist, right? 
I don't have an office. So people would just email me from around the globe. And I was like, I don't have time for all of this. So I built this app and honestly, it's not the greatest app because I picked the wrong developer maybe. Um, I don't know a damn thing about apps. Um, you can always upgrade an app, but right now I think it's well, pretty good. It's- the, the answer is it was designed to take the algorithm that I would use anyway and help someone have a place to start, right? These yeah. are your issues. How aggressively do you want to do this? And let's follow some progress. And, and, and that was it's just basic, basic, basic. Uh, the caveat is that for whatever reason, there's some small number of people where they put the information in and get stuck on the subscription page. And everyone emails me and says, either this is the best app ever, or this is the worst app ever. I, you know, no one ever says this is like middle of the road. Um, <laughs> well, that's because those people go away. They don't bother. <laughs> um, yeah, probably, probably so. But so I, I end up, you know, I feel bad when these people do this. So I end up building people's protocols sort of just online because I just feel bad that like, you know, they've gone out to try to get the app and it has sort of failed. Uh, the good news is it will be rebuilt shortly. We're working on that. So if it fails for anyone, please let me know, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But, but it is okay. what it is. No. And one of the things I loved about the app right away is it literally, and it's a lot like you, actually, it is you. Because I designed it. Like, <laughs> how serious are you about this shit? <laughs> like, are you kind of in? Are you, are you in? Or are you like, I never want to die in? And then based on that, it gives you recommendations, which establishes, you know, I'm like the number of compounds that are going to be recommended to you and dosages and that whole night, whole thing. So it's a very practical app that way, Sandra. <laughs> it's like, well, it's, it's, it's meant to be practical. It's yeah. meant to be, you know, to take people who really want to do this, but don't have the time and energy to figure all this stuff out. Like they just, you know, they want to lead a better life. And I'm like, okay, let me help you do it. You know? Yeah. It's, it's like, if, if I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a you know, construction person, I don't know where to go. I don't suspect a whole lot of people know what I know just because I'm obsessive compulsive about this. So it was just my, my goal to help people figure it out without too much heavy lifting. And that I was love it. it. Yeah. So tell me this, and I, this may be built into the app. So forgive me if it is, but let me ask you this. Um, do you recommend that people stay on those same supplements indefinitely or do you, or, do, or are you a bigger fan of like cycling supplements, um, maybe changing it up every three months or so? So that's a good question. And the app does not have that built in because it got too complex and that was yeah. going to cost me another $40,000 to do. So I didn't do it. Yeah. I'm hoping that people that are doing this are smart enough to say, oh, well, you know what? My back doesn't hurt anymore. Maybe I should focus on something else. So okay. it constantly requizzes you to see how you are doing and what you should be doing. And you can just go back and I'll give you more, more different things to do. Okay. Um, but I think that some things should be cycled and some, some things should not. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So what should not be cycled in your opinion? Like what's your foundation? Are there, are there any compounds that you believe and even though there's nothing's hundred percent for hundred percent of the people, we all, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but even in my practice as a nutritionist and a health coach, there are certain things that I believe are foundation. Oh, absolutely. So I, and I built this into what I call the panacea, which is sort of like the yeah. baseline for everybody. Right. So number one uh, is resveratrol or pterostilbene. They're, yeah. they're molecular cousins. One comes from blueberries. One comes from wine. Uh, there was one article that suggested that pterostilbene might make your cholesterol a little bit worse. So I always say, if anyone has any issues about that, go with the resveratrol, just make sure it's bioavailable because yeah. um, just the regular molecule pterostilbene is much more bioavailable than resveratrol, but there are special formulations. So that's something to think about. 
So that's one you should always be on. And, and this holds for people over 45. Mm-hmm. Under 45, it, it can be hit or miss. It just depends on how healthy you are. Um, but sirtuins and stuff start failing at 40. So by definitely by 45, you need it. Um, astaxanthin is my most favorite molecule in the entire world. I think they should put it in the drinking water. I'm with you. I mean, if they're putting fluoride in there, they should put astaxanthin, although then our water would be red. So, you know. It would be a little orange, but honestly, that's okay, <laughs> right? I could get over that. I mean, I saw a diagram on astaxanthin from a big, um, I think it was one of those giant, you know, those studies that bring in all the other studies, a review, a review yeah. article. Yeah. And it was, it was like astaxanthin was at the top and it, like it activates sirtuins and like the number of things that this molecule can activate in the body in a positive way is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking, okay, you know what? And, and it's not cheap. It's one of those investment supplements, but I'm like, this is one of those things that we should all be taking. Oh, without a doubt. And what, you know, it comes in various milligrams. It comes in a four, a six, a 10 and a 12. And for a baseline, four a day is fine, yeah. which isn't as pricey. I mean, the 12s, you get a little bit pricey. I, I, I give 12s to people that are athletes or they're outside a lot, a lot of free radical generation, et cetera. But a normal standard person for every day, it actually, it's so cool. Like you take it in, it has high bioavailability, mm-hmm. lodges itself in mitochondria, sucks up free radicals, and then out it goes. Yeah. Like what could ask for a better molecule? Right. It's the best. And eat wild salmon because wild salmon's got lots of S's. Yeah. <laughs> the pinker, the better. Yeah. What, exactly. The other thing I, I love to talk about, and I think, just think it's really funny, is when you go to the fish aisle, right, at, at your local, you know, grocery store, um, they always have this sign, like on the really, really pink salmon, it says artificially colored. Yeah. Like, does that not make you crazy? Well, no, it's good. You know what they oh, are? Is, are they getting the mastazanthin? Mastazanthin. Look at so that. I think it's cheaper and it's better for you. What a win. Well, except for the other stuff they may be feeding them, but yes, yeah, at least you're getting your astaxanthin. Yeah. Tons of astaxanthin. Okay. You got that going for you. Okay. Resveratrol, astaxanthin, anything else? Nicotinamide. Yeah, baby. So we, we briefly touched on that. Everyone over the age of 40, come hell or high water is nicotinamide deficient. Um, it, because everyone knows this, the nicotinamide war is on, right? Mm-hmm. Chromodex has nicotinamide riboside, and then people came up with uh, the mononucleotide. Everyone wants to be the leader yeah. because those are all trademarked and copyrighted and whatever, whatever else one does to molecules. There's the patch, there's an infusion, there's an injection, there's a nasal spray because everyone knows how valuable it is. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. What about the supplements that, um, that there's two of them that I can think of, and there may be more, but their goal, and they, they do provide nicotinamide as a substrate, but their goal is to provide those compounds that help to restore function to the salvage pathway and mm-hmm. to downregulate things like CD38. So they'd have things in them like apigenin, I think, and physetin. And- yeah. So the answer is it depends how deficient you are. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, if you're way down, you're going to need an infusion. <laughs> well, if you're 60 or 70, you've never had any nicotinamide in your life. Regeneration by Fisodin. I mean, it's a nice idea. It's not going to do anything. Right. Right. It's not enough. If, right. It's not enough. If, if you want to take like a reasonably small dose, if you're bolused up and you're not deficient and you're 45 ish and, and you want to take that to help you out. Fantastic. But it is not going to save you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's, doesn't give you enough of the boost. Right. I, I mean, I always tell people, you know, if you need, a, if you need it, 
you do the infusion or, you know, you do the well, bolus treatment well, so, and then you take those supplements to just kind of keep it going right. as you go. Well, it's funny. I actually tell people not to take the IV because okay. you know, my, my joke is always this, and, and you've got, you've gotten to know me now. I'm pretty blunt. Yeah. No, no, no one has ever shown up in the emergency room with NAD deficiency. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a luxury. And not to mention the fact that you have to be able to sit there for four hours feeling like a bag of broken toys. So I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Canada in Miami. It's, it's like 2000, it's 1500 to $2,000 per infusion. No, I I've never even, I have not had an infusion. I tried the patches only I I'm notorious. People who listen to the, this podcast have heard, have heard this before. I'm notorious for crazy reactions and the, the, the transdermal patch, mm. the last time I used it looked like a third degree burn on my arm. So Ooh. I don't, I don't yeah. use that. Yeah. It's not my jam. What's interesting, if you want to know if you're nicotinamide deficient, you know, you can either pay $300 for a home test, which is reasonably new, or, right, I say take it for 10 days. If your energy level doesn't increase, you probably are not deficient. Or you're so deficient that you need to keep going for a little bit. Right. And I will tell you that most people, after 10 days to two weeks, all of a sudden they feel better. Huh. Okay. And so what's your favorite? I, you know what? I don't really think it matters if it's NR or NMN. I really don't. I think they're both fantastic. They're only one step away in the enzymatic pathway. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think it matters. Well, unless it matters to the individual. And so I guess to that, to your point, they should try the NR, see how they feel, try the NMN. see Because I, again, like in my Facebook group, I, I hear it, right? There, you get some yeah. people who swear up, down and sideways that NR saved their lives. Other people are like did nothing for me. Other ones say the same thing about NMN. So could it be that different people, depending on where their their gaps are, will yeah. do better with one over the other? It absolutely could be. Absolutely could be. And there's no way of knowing. I'm I'm, I'm sure that these two companies battling it out are going to figure out like who does better with what. Um, yeah. But you know, the take home message here is that people are going to benefit and fit from it one way or the other. You know, after the age of forty, you don't have to go nuts reasonable amount for a reasonable period of time. Cool. Right. All right. So really resver- reasonable, <laughs> very reasonable. So resveratrol, astaxanthin, nicotinamide, anything else in your foundation stuff? Yes. What, one more in my foundation that should not be cycled is curcumin. Interesting. The key to this one is that the bioavailability is absolutely horrid uh, mm-hmm. unless you get a bioavailable one. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's many on the market. You know, I, I have my favorites, but then everyone emails me and says, oh no, this is my favorite. And I go, that's nice. Um, it doesn't matter as long as it's bioavailable, but it does so many amazing things. It's one of the best anti-inflammatories. It helps with your antioxidant status, helps with your AMP kinase. It's just, there's just uh, so many positive things that it does with no side effects. Yeah. Uh, and so many people with the aches and pains, you know, the classic back pain, you know, I've had people after 10 days of being on astaxanthin, nicotinamide and curcumin. They're jumping around like 20 year olds. They nice. can't believe it. It's really, really, truly amazing. And it doesn't have a feedback loop. So you can just take it all the time. Right. And so when you talk about available, like you're talking about like that Mervita formula, like they've, they've actually, I think it's Mervita is what it's called. There's a whole bunch of them. So it yeah. started out probably 15 years ago or so. And they realized that if you put it with pepper. Yeah. Black pepper. Pepper. Right. Yeah. So what the pepper does is it blocks your liver enzymes from being able to process the curcumin. Oh, Right. So if you think about that, it also is blocking your ability to metabolize other things as well. That's so not a good I would idea. call that a primary, really old fashioned way of doing it. Yeah. 
right? The new ways of doing it is packaging it in nanotechnology. So yeah. nanomyceles or, or, or something of that nature to make it more lipid soluble to get into the body. So I actually, I use metacurcumin from Rev Genetics and I, you know, I don't get a dime from saying it. I just think it's one of the best, strongest on the market at the moment. Okay, cool. Amazing. All right. So that's your foundation from book one, um, yes. which remains the foundation. Well, oh. carnosine, carnosine is also on that list. However, <laughs> however, it should be, it should be cycled um, because it is a, it's a true supplement, not an adjuvant because okay. we have carnosine in our body. So the more carnosine you take, there's an enzyme called carnosine ACE that increases to get rid of the carnosine. So oh. that needs to be cycled. And I love it because it's a transglycosylating agent. And I think everyone should be on it. However, it should be cycled. Okay. So when you and say it, cycles, like a month on off or two months, I, I, I do a month on and then like a week off. Oh, okay. All right. So you just kind of take your foot off the gas for a bit and then put it back on again. Yeah. It's just enzymatic regulation. You just want to get more bang for your buck. Cause if you don't come off of it, your enzymes are just going to keep eating through it and nothing's going to happen. And what are your thoughts on vitamin D3? I think most people are D3 deficient. Mm-hmm. See, this is one of those things that D, vitamin D is, it's not a longevity. It's just, if you're deficient, you need more of it. Yeah. And taking extra isn't going to help you. But Unless you need it. Yeah. Being deficient is going to hurt you. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. And there are fine lines here. Everyone gets mad at me about D. And the answer is no, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to get rated because I'm not going to rate something if you're just making up a deficiency. Okay. All right. It's a little bit different from magnesium because magnesium actually excess will help you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. All right. So let's move on to book two because there's so Ooh, we've picked, I mean, there's going, how many are there going to be in book two? Not that we're going to go through them here today, guys, but I'm looking at 28 right now, 28. And so at that point, people are basically going to have to sit there and decide, like you said earlier, where are my gaps? What do I want to use? And in some ways, even though this sounds a bit woo, what resonates for me? Like what seems to make sense to me? Because there's going to be 27 different ways to skin a cat here. Yeah. And the other thing, it's going to be divided to a certain degree by body part. Oh, cool. Which, which sounds a little bit odd. No, uh, no, but you have a heart problem. Based yeah. on how things work, they're going to help one thing or another. So, you know, my, it's sort of in response to what people ask me all the time. Okay. I, I don't want to age, but I also want to lose weight. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I don't want to age, but I'm worried about Alzheimer's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want to age, but I'm having gut issues. Okay. So to a certain degree, it's going to be based around organ systems so that you can sort of flip to that category. If like you're super worried about neurological disease, you can go to the brain section and there'll be a little chapter, which I'm actually writing sort of next week. Cause I've been, it's on the list. Um, why your brain ages um, mm-hmm. and what you can sort of do to do it. And then there'll be, you know, four or five top brain agents and why it does, why they do what they do. Nice. So is the second book kind of meant to add to the first book, basically? Because yeah. like, yeah. so you've got your foundation stuff from book one, and now we're getting specific in terms of your pain points or, you know, heart disease runs like crazy. Well, let's say heart disease runs like crazy in somebody's family. They're, they might put a bit more emphasis on the cardiac yeah. section. hundred percent. And it's 
my, my ultimate goal, and this is going to sound a little bit ridiculous, is to have sort of an encyclopedia of all of these agents yeah. so that, you know, people can just flip to and go, you know, I, I read that such and such is good. What do I do? Right. Yeah. So they can go to the book and they can read what does it do in each of the seven categories and what organ systems has it demonstrated to be beneficial in? What are the downsides and, and what's the dose? Love it. It's sort of a go-to book. And I know that after I do this, you know, more agents will be available. So the process is just going to keep continuing. For sure. So maybe it'll be, you know, a 17 volume collection by the time I, you know, fall off my cliff. <laughs> well, we're, hopefully we've got lots of time before that happens. Um, so, okay. So, so it's layers. So what we, we agreed to before this podcast, because we could be here till next week, uh, which you certainly don't have time for, and nor do I. We were going to pick three of the comp new compounds that you were going to be exploring um, in the new book. And they're super interesting. One for sure people have heard about. Um, the second one, if they've been listening to my podcast, they most definitely will have heard about. And number three is a little less well-known. So let's start with number three, because it's got some really it has at least a very big lead effect that I think people will respond to. And that is Eclonia cava, which is a giant brown seaweed. So to be clear, guys, I freaking hate seaweed personally. I don't know if you saw that movie, The Octopus, My Teacher. <laughs> no. Okay. First of all, great documentary. Great, great documentary. You will never eat octopus again for the rest of your life. I never could before. And now I really can't. Uh, it's it's a really good documentary, but it involves this guy swimming through this giant kelp forest every day. And it sounds beautiful. It's Scary. it's gorgeous. It's a, truthfully, it's artfully filmed. It's a beautiful story. You'll weep, you'll cry, you'll laugh, you'll the whole nine yards. But I can't think of anything worse than swimming through seaweed personally. <laughs> well, so the good news here is that you don't have to swim through it. I know. I want to wrap myself in this stuff. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let's so, talk about it. <laughs> so apparently in the old days, people did wrap themselves in it and it was a cure for sunburn, which I find just really right. amazingly cool. Yeah, right? the Japanese divers they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this stuff, it is, it's giant kelpie algae. It's, it's, it's the brown variety and it looks like undersea seaweed or uh, palm trees rather. Yeah. Um, stuff is super, super, super amazing. There are a variety of Aclonia species, but Aclonia cava, Apparently is the big famous one that everyone loves and adores. Um, and I picked to talk about this one because it answers the three things that every woman wants. Yes. It helps you lose weight. It is good for your hair and it is fantastic for your skin. Right. Those the big oh. triad for women, right? Yeah. I know a few guys who'd sign up for this too, actually. Interestingly it, enough. It, it truly is absolutely a, a remarkable substance and it's filled with things. And it's funny. It's um, it has, like every plant, of course, has a million different things in it. And the question is what's bioactive and what's not. Mm -hmm. But it has what I call the echo family, right? Rather than sort of like heckle and jekyll, it's the echo and the diechel and the there are many echoes. And then yeah. of course there are the, um, yeah, the, the tannins and the fucoxanthins and the, uh, all of those sorts of things. Um, but it's just loaded with amazing, amazing, amazing things. And to sort of look at it on the tenant basis, it doesn't do much for your DNA. Uh, it's amazing for your mitochondria. It is a free radical scavenger. It activates your own endogenous scavenging pathways. So you get more glutathione, catalase, superoxide dismutase, that sort of thing. A um, little bit of evidence that it does some stuff for your DNA and for um, 
uh, your sir, sorry for your DNA and um, I mean the for the uh, yeah, God, I'm my mind for the quality control and a variety of the other divisions. Yeah, uh, it's an amazing anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. super 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 amazing. And what's really cool is things that block uh, the inflammatory system tend to also increase osteoblastic activation. So there's evidence that it helps with bone. Yeah, like bone. I saw that bone density. And the other thing was that really interesting study in mice that it decreased skin carcinogenesis. Like it definitely is a big skin. Oh yeah. Compound. Like they're, like it's big on skin. Yeah. 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 And it, but the last thing, and this is the big category, which is amazing because it doesn't really fit with what it actually does is it blocks glucose and AGE production. Yeah. So does that mean like you would use it to like people might use berberine? So, so yes and no, kind of. I like to think of it as just an amazing effect and it does so many other things too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, No, for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, it blocks, it blocks glue. So this goes back to my donut addiction. <laughs> I get away with this because right. I block glucose absorption from my gut. It blocks the enzymes that makes carbohydrates into absorbable sugars, right? It blocks the enzymes that, that sort of uh, take these glucose and the sucrose and all of those and, and, and create fat. It huh. blocks AGE production. It blocks all of those horrible things that glucose tends to do to you. It's, it's just simply, truly amazing. And this one gets a three in this category because there's tons of human evidence that it does this. That's amazing. And so is it, and, and the dosing is actually huge range on dosing. Like in, in your, in what you sent me, it was anywhere from 72 milligrams to 1500 to 1.5 grams a day. Uh, but you said, you say something about there's like a sweet spot around 360 milligrams a day. So, so what I end up doing for doses is I go through every human study I can possibly find. Yeah. Um, and, and look, you know, what, what doses did they use? Itty bitty ones, monstrous ones, were there side effects? Were there not side effects? Uh, what was efficacious? What wasn't, you know, and, and it, so the answer is, I don't know what the doses are of these things. Nobody does because we're not treating anything specifically, right? Mm-hmm. We're not looking at an end. So obviously something in the middle range is probably reasonable in all of the agents that we talk about. Right. right? Um, so then what I do is I go to the manufacturers and look at all of the brands and, and what is it that they're recommending and why. And I try to come up with something that's reasonably middle of the road because the other problem is I don't know who's, reading this, right? I don't know if this is a 70 pound, 90 year old who's extraordinarily frail and can't digest anything versus someone that's 350 pounds trying to lose weight. Doses are obviously supposed to be per kilo, but it doesn't work that way when you make recommendations. No, somehow it never seems to. So, so, so in the world of, and I don't know if you know this, if this was in the clinical trials, but is this the kind of thing, if you're trying to block the absorption of glucose or stop the production of fat, which it seems to do, it, it does. prevents yeah. adipose tissue from forming, like, oh my God, sign me up. Yeah, it blocks a lot. It's, it's, it's really interesting. So first in, in the fat world, right? First, you have to make fat cells. Yeah. Adipogenesis. And it's amazing as you can block that. That's, that's shocking. So is this a once a day supplement or do you have to take it before meals to block that no, glucose mechanism absolutely or you not. just take it in so, the morning? So most people take it once a day. You can certainly take it twice a day if you desire. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it's the half-life is I think reasonably long that you don't have to take it twice a day. Once okay. a day should be fine. It also depends on how many other agents you are taking. 
<laughs> right? So I'm I'm now trained myself to swallow three to four capsules at a time. Right. So right. So as 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 a capsule addict myself, and I hate to say drug addict because it makes me sound really terrible. Capsule's um, way better. Right. Yeah. I'm a capsule addict. Um, I take probably 50 a day. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine if things are twice a day dosing, that would make me take a hundred things a day. And yeah. I'm not willing to do that. So I figure if you take a little bit of something every day, you're going to be fine, right? You're aging just a little bit every day. So you need to not age just a little bit every day, unless caveat, you are aiming for a specific goal. So if you're trying to lose weight up the dose, yeah. If you're yeah. trying to do something specific, then you need a bigger dose. Okay. Um, but of the 50 things that I'm on, half of them block glucose and half of them block fat production. So if you part of the time, you know, you sort of synergize it all together. I don't need to take that much. Yeah, no, that sounds good. So without naming names, unless you really want to, um, is it easy to find at Colonia Cava? It's actually kind of tough. Yeah, I um, was going to say, <laughs> it's not... Uh, I, I, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. So no, no. So someone in the marketing department needs to work on that <laughs> to do so, something here. There's yeah. a company called, uh, what's it called? I don't remember what it's called, but it makes a product called Cianol. Cianol. Um, how do we spell that? C-A-N-O-L, Cianol, something like that. C-A-N-O-L. So it's an S. Oh, S-E-L, like as in ocean, like Cianol. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's probably the best brand out there. And sometimes you can get it and sometimes you can't. What was interesting is after the uh, Japanese Fukushima disaster, it was oh. impossible to get a Colonia Cava because they were, everyone was worried that it was contaminated. Um, it has since become better and easier to get. Um, I think if you Google it on Amazon, there's probably three choices. Interesting. You know, what's interesting about seaweed and radiation, though, is I've, I've always learned and particularly brown seaweed seems to have protective effects. Oh, it does. Of course, it against does. Radiation. Because radiation is free radicals. Yeah, that's what it causes. So anything that blocks or scavenges free radicals or increases your own endogenous free radical system absolutely is helpful against radiation. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, although I would imagine after Fukushima, it would be somewhat overwhelming in terms of load. I think a little bit of seaweed probably isn't going to cut the mustard after after a nuclear disaster. No, no, not so much. But and and it seems like it also has effects topically. Oh yeah, which I thought was really interesting, like that whole sunburn thing. Um, even the hair growth was that from from ingestion, or was that from a topical application? So the studies were done by ingestion, but I think I saw somewhere that someone's trying to make a shampoo out of it. Huh. Interesting. I don't really know if that ever succeeded. <laughs> it was it was sort of a reference in some rare. Yeah, you know, I think you'd do better with a mask, like a hair mask or something. I think that might not, might not be unreasonable. But, you know, I don't remember the exact details, but it helps hair growth in six different ways. Yeah, I remember that. Like, the, the, the I, yeah, I saw that list, but I it didn't write it down. Stem cells, the papillary dermal stuff, it increases the, the, the blood flow, just a variety of pathways. I mean, it's so mm -hmm. impressive. Yeah, no, I, when I read that list, I was like, wow, I can't wait to see what comes out because hair, supporting hair is such a huge thing. And we're going to talk about it again, at least with one of the other agents for sure. But okay. So Eclonia Cava, are we done with that? Uh, I think so. I okay, think so. Good. And I, I encourage people when the book does come out, feel free to read it and ask me any questions. Yeah, no, I, it's, I'll, I'll admit my details slip when I'm sitting here. Oh, actually, you know what? There's two things, other things that people should keep in mind about this. If you're going to rush out and buy it, uh, because sometimes people do. Um, is that it's there's a dose dependent response on decreasing blood pressure you said oh, in your oh, notes oh, oh. yes and, about that and, and, and the and coagulation the, and coagulate those are two big ones because a lot of people 
may need to pay yep. attention to that. So it'll decrease coagulation. As a matter of fact, it said in your notes that you sent me, it could be at, at certain doses as strong as heparin. Right. So you want to stay away from the really high doses if that's an issue. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Little doses, medium doses are absolutely fine and probably are helpful. Yeah, no, but yeah, if you're like on light dinners, then have an eye, like be, be mindful of that. Okay, yeah. cool. So that's a colonia cava. I want to save what I think is the best for last. So next, but not that, not that we can have a favorite child, but no, no. <laughs> there'll be no oh. favorite children here. No favoritism. Our next one is um, actually a beautiful looking thing called reishi. So it's a mushroom, right? And it has a fancy name too, but we're just going to call it. It's, I think it's also called lingzi. Yes. Or lingzi. That is the, the Japanese name. Yes. Yeah. So the reishi mushroom, which a lot of people here will have known about, but may not realize all of the different things. Why does reishi make the list? Reishi makes the list because number one, I just find it just amazing. Um, when you read through old literature, right? I, I love going through like old Chinese medicine stuff or Ayurvedic medicine. I just love this. Mm -hmm. And it popped up and it said it was the mushroom of immortality and the mushroom of spirituality. And it just couldn't stop raving about this damn mushroom. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? And it turns out that the use dates back to the Han dynasty, which is equivalent to the Romans. Um, wow. And it's been in every Chinese pharmacopoeia since then. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, there's got to be something to this damn mushroom. And it, it truly is just an amazing thing. It scores in almost every category. Yeah. Um, it's just truly remarkable. Um, it probably has less evidence base than, uh, than the one we just talked about. So I can't tell you it helps with all of the things, but there's Even in humans, right? Yeah. It's, um, it's so funny a lot of the evidence here is just anecdotal, right? We've mm -hmm. used this for a thousand years. It helps with X. Therefore it must be good for you. Yeah. Okay. You know, enough said, like, what am I going to do? Right. But it helps with lots of things. It helps with cardiovascular disease. It lowers obesity. It helps with skin. It helps with hair. It helps with this. It helps with that. It's just an extraordinarily well-rounded molecule. Yeah. And it was interesting also, like some of the, you know, like I'm, I'm always reading through this stuff and stuff just jumps out at me. And what was interesting is it seems to, in rats anyway, it seems to inhibit histamine release from mast cells. Yes. And mast cell activation, uh, for whatever reason, it's a huge thing. Like I see people all the time who are always looking for things to calm down their systems. And oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know if it'll work the same in humans, but it would, sh I, I'm, all the people I know who've got MCAS issues, there's not much they wouldn't try at this point. Well, what's interesting, the only other one that I know that does it a lot or very well is quercetin. Yes. But yeah. there's evidence that it helps in men more than women. And I don't know about uh, the, the mushroom because okay. it's just in mice. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But mm -hmm. that being said, it's a huge anti-inflammatory. Absolutely huge. So I think it's fantastic. And big on waste management. Decreases. Oh, blood oh blood my blood. gosh. Oh, you right. know, it's so like funny. You're, 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 you're cheating because you're sitting in front of your notes. And I I'm am. Like, well, I have to, I didn't write the book. <laughs> no, I know. I just, it's, it's funny. I wrote these chapters. I don't know when I wrote them. I just, it's, it's so funny. My memory is just, I guess I need to <laughs> take more of the things from the, in the brain chapters. Um, you're absolutely right. So in the waste management division, it does pretty much the same stuff as uh, Colonia Cava, absolutely lowers blood glucose. Um, and many, many, many models. Uh, it was actually used for diabetes um, in the Chinese population for hundreds of years. Well, there was um, a, you, you cite a human study here, actually. Yeah, 
Do I really? Yeah. 12 weeks. HbA1c, HbA1c went down from 8.4, which, you know, is Pretty higher high. than anybody wants to see their HbA1c, even though the Diabetes Association tells you, oh, you're fine. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> I'm like horrified. <laughs> anyway, from it, it dropped from 8.4 to 7.6 which is right. not an insignificant drop. I mean, you'd want to keep taking it till you start seeing something that starts with at least a five, if not a yeah, four. Exactly. <laughs> well, but I mean, they, they do it. Every study does, right? You take the absolute worst outliers yeah. and, if, you know, you have to do that first to show that it's going to work. Absolutely. And in that study, they used 18, just if anybody's wondering until the book comes out, they used 1800 milligrams three times a day for 12 weeks in that study. Um, but this one also blocks fat. Oh yes, 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 yes. It is absolutely amazing what these things do, right? right? Because as I started to say before, you get you get to block the production of fat cells, which is adipogenesis. There are probably seven to eight steps in that cell to create fat, which is all blockable. Wow. Um, and this one doesn't do it. I don't think, I don't remember. I don't think so. Um, but you can actually change the ratio of white fat to brown fat. Oh, a lot of these things do, which is, is good. really cool. Yeah. Um, aloe vera does it. A few other things do it. Um, and I wish I could be more specific and I apologize. Um, but if you change the ratio of white to brown fat, you can burn fat doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely. And who doesn't want to sit around burning fat all day? Doing right. Anything? Fantastic. I know. What was it? What was it that Tim Ferriss did? He had this like this ice pack that he would put across his shoulders because he figured out that you had more brown fat deposits in your upper thoracic area, like um, actually around your cervical area. And so he would sit after he got tired of sitting in an ice tub of water, and, you know, <laughs> becoming virtually hypothermic, he figured out, you know, he's that guy that what's the least you can do to get the most effect. Yeah, 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 he yeah. If he could sit with an ice pack around his neck, he would actually activate his brown fat. That, that, that's pretty desperate because all you got to do is pop a few pills and it's the same thing. Well, maybe he hadn't figured this out yet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure by now he's figured it out. That was his first book. That's so funny. That's but, you lot. know, if you read the book, you would you would lose weight just from schlepping it around because it weighed about 10 pounds. It was Ooh. this massive book. Ooh, um, OK, so that's reishi mushrooms. And I always think of reishi mushrooms for immune. So it does, it does actually less than you think it does. It's yeah, useful, it seems to it's like you don't talk about it that much. No. Because I kind of, one of the things I really thought was going to be exciting was the immune and it's okay. Yeah. It's great. There's so many things that do a better, better job. Yeah. Not its superpower. No, not a superpower at all. Glucose management is honestly, it's, it's, it's heyday. Um, That's and then anti-inflammatories and uh, antioxidants in the mitochondria. I think this one's a metal chelator too. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that in the notes or I didn't write it down, but the other thing that you talk about, and, but the problem is a lot of it's in rats was these epigenetic effects um, in terms of in the Alzheimer's rat model, it seemed to be helpful, but the evidence wasn't crazy. Um, and it increased endogenous antioxidants in, in rodents, especially SOD. So, um, yes. So I think in the DNA category, I gave it a zero because it seemed like kind of flimsy evidence, right? Yeah, you even say that. I love that in, in well, just, the way you, know, you write. It's like, oh yeah, this is weak. Call a spade a spade, right? You yeah. know, there's some, because if the problem is if you don't, if you don't put it in there, if you just say no evidence, someone's yeah. going to say, oh, well, I read the study that said such and yeah. such. You're just like, no, it's lame. <laughs> I read the same damn study. Here it is, but it's not good enough. Doesn't hold enough water. Yeah, exactly. Not ringing any bells. The other thing is, I think over time, the problem is, you know, as you say, 
there's not a huge amount of motivation for people to spend a ton of money on research on these compounds, which is too bad because you were talking about there's six different colors of mm -hmm. reishi mushrooms. And we both know that different colors are going to have different of impacts. Course they are. They're, of course they're, they are. Yeah. Like it's, they're, they're all going to have different effects and maybe, you know, it's one of the colors is particularly great for immune support versus another one, which is going to be more powerful for glucose. Like, you know, the, the guy that I interviewed a couple of weeks ago might actually know this. Um, his name is, is um, Jeff Chilton from Namex Mushrooms mm -hmm. and Real Mushrooms. And he, he spent years in China tapping into their knowledge base Interesting. On, on mushrooms, oh. because as you say, like, I mean, they, they've dug into this stuff for thousands of years, right? literally. You know what? I'll have to reach out to him as I uh, finish up writing that chapter. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I can introduce you. He's oh, the nicest guy and yeah, wealth of information. Like he's he's been buried in mushrooms for 40 years or something. Like he's he's the guy. Sounds a little odd, but good. Good. No, it's, it's a good thing in a good way. Okay, good. In a good way. I'm not yeah. sure. I think I'd rather be wrapped in algae than covered in mushrooms, but. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But, you know, whatever. Mushrooms are his jam. Um, anyway, anyway okay. permadine. And for our third contestant, spermidine. Yes, you had to know that this was going to come. Well, no, people didn't know this was going to come up, but I was, knew this was going to come up. So I'm super excited to talk to you about spermidine because it just rings so many bells, you know, definitely on the hallmarks of aging. So how did it do in your ranking system? Spermidine. No, I don't remember the, all of the numbers. It is amazing. It is truly an amazing molecule. Uh, I stumbled upon it by someone saying, hey, did you know about such and such? And I didn't. So I did my deep dive and was absolutely floored. Yeah. Absolutely floored because it does things that none of the other agents can do. Right. Um, it just fills gaps that we needed to fill. Um, plus, it comes with a great name that I get to mock mercilessly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, just right? the fact that you can say spermidine and be scientific. Right, right. And, and call people out for giggling and going, what, you have a problem with that? <laughs> well, so the funniest thing is, right, you read all these scientific articles and it says, ah, oh, yes, this was discovered by von Leeuwenhoek in 16 something, something, something. And you just know that he was like, oh, my God, I have a microscope. And he's like doing the right thing, looking at his skin and is this. And he's like, oh, my God, what does my sperm look like? Like, you know, he's doing yeah. it, right? So he oh, yeah. produced a little sperm and he's watching his little thing zigzag around. He's going, oh, my God, this is so cool, Right because you, you know, we did it. Um, Absolutely. Right. So that's just funny unto itself. And then of course it's related molecularly to these other great, horribly named molecules, like putrescence. putrescence. Yeah. Yeah. Putrescine like, and spermine. And, and, but cadaverine. Oh, they're dead and they smell horrible. Like who names these molecules? It's fantastic. This is just going to be just treasure trove of really horribly bad jokes. Yeah. And, you know, of course, I don't want to offend your listeners, but of course it brings up the whole spit versus swallow controversy. Right. You know, well, yeah. It's good for you. Right. And topically too. Yes. Yes. Good moisturizer. Yes. Anti-aging protects DNA, it's which is why, good. what was it? I think it was in the interview with Leslie Kenny that she was talking about spermidine with an ejaculate to protect the DNA of sperm. No, it right? does. No, it absolutely does. That's that's probably why it's there in the first place. It's incredibly good for preserving cellular function, which is what sperm needs because they're in physiologically very stressful conditions. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just the way that it is. 
Um, but in terms of what it does for us, and I will, yes. won't go through everything, but I'll, I'll go through the highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, because it's definitely a highlight real compound. Oh, this is highlight. So in the epigenetics category, um, it basically inhibits something called P300, mm -hmm. which then activates autophagy. So it is one of the strongest activators of autophagy that we have. Unbelievable. Which is unusual because we don't actually, we have things that kind of do it a little bit, but not really as potently. So this is huge in our arsenal of autophagy. Uh, in the same category, what's kind of cool. So spermidine is a long, positively charged chain. Okay. And it loves to sit in the negatively charged grooves of your DNA. So you have two grooves. It's a spirally staircase. We've all seen the Watson and Creek model. There's yeah. the minor groove and the major groove and the molecule spermidine loves to cozy itself in there um, in the grooves. And what it does is it sort of makes it more compact and it protects it from outside damage. So there's um, studies where um, it protects it from thermal denaturation, protects it from radiation. And where there haven't been studies, I'm completely and utterly convinced it's going to protect it from glycation and other Asians that you don't want. Huh. So I sort of decided that this was sort of like bubble wrapping your DNA. Nice. Sounds a little kooky, but you know, you picture Aunt Martha's, you know, famous <laughs> little statue sitting on the thing and you, you need to move it. You're going to bubble wrap it, keep it safe until you need it. And that's exactly what this does. It just us protects your DNA. And that is something we have not seen in any other molecular agents. Amazing. Um, I mean, magnesium will protect the quaternary structure of um, some things, but it doesn't protect your DNA per se, the way spermidine does. So that is just one of the most miraculous things ever. Amazing. Okay. Anything else in, in our tenets? Well, it, it, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think right now because now my brain's turned off. Um, like it does so many different, like it protects mitochondria. Right. Or is it, it, it upregulates mitochondrial biogenesis or it protects it mitochondria? Does. Okay. So my, I, I, my brain has to go through this list. Yes, it does stimulate mitochondrial biogenesis. Oh, 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 here's a big one I'm missing. <laughs> All right. Oh, my, um, it actually helps with the mitochondrial transition pores. So, Mitochondrial transition pores are pores in the outside of the mitochondria that open more frequently with age and they leak mitochondrial contents into the cell. It destroys the electrochemical gradient and you get all the sort of cytotoxic stuff going out into your cell and it's terrible. Huh. Um, we don't know why it opens more with age. It just does. Okay. Um, Almost like it loses its integrity or something. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, something like that. They, they normally do open and close, but they just open more as, as you get older. Yeah, they get uh, lax like everything else. <laughs> I guess so, right? Oh my God. <laughs> um, but spermidine actually helps to control that. Huh. And the only other thing that does that is metformin. Interesting. I like spermidine better than metformin personally, but that's just- Yeah, everything has life. pros and cons. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with metformin at the moment, but we're working through it. We're in therapy. Yeah, so it, it, <laughs> good, I'm glad to hear it. Um, cellular communication is another superpower of spermidine and uh, misfolded proteins. It helps yes. the proteins to fold properly so that they can do what they're supposed to do. That is correct. Because of the fact that it's a positively charged- Again. Uh, polycation that can just protect things. It's yeah. amazing. Overwraps pretty much everything. So is it, do you think it's going to make the foundation list? 
I'm thinking it's inching closer. I the wonder. Old, the only drawback is that it's so pricey. Yeah, yeah. So um, it can be an if you can afford it. Even, I've also said to people, even if you cycle it, even if you did a three months, take a break, take another three months, take a break. I mean, ideal in a perfect world, you have it all the time because it also does that whole hair, skin and nails thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, without a doubt. We didn't get to the organ system that it helps. Oh, it's amazing. And, um, and heart telomeres. I read, I read a study recently about cardiac cell telomeres. It helps to lengthen them. Um, I did not know it helped to lengthen them. I know it stabilizes the length. Well, maybe it stabilizes them. Yeah. I'll have to go back. And look. As Bill Andrews says, it's really hard to, hard to make them longer. Right. It's extraordinarily important to stabilize them. To hang on to them. <laughs> yeah, no, ex exactly. And it has to do with um, the quaternary structure at the end of the, the DNA, because you need to block the ends from being recognized as damaged. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, where was I? Ah, yes. Hair. It's so cool. It stimulates stem cells in the hair follicles. So it absolutely does help with hair. So I'm convinced by the time you like, you know, you take your spermidine and you take your clonia cava, you're going to have the fullest head of hair ever. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that I've, I mean, again, in this group, the feedback I've gotten, my 83 year old mom who lives in Florida, my dad called me and said, this stuff that you're giving, you're giving us, is there any chance it's doing something to your mother's hair? Like it hasn't looked this good in forever. And, and, and I think, Interestingly enough, and this goes a bit to something you were saying earlier, the more you have an issue, the more you're going to notice the effect. And I think spermidine, it's the over 45 crowd that really sees oh, the yeah. benefits of spermidine. Yeah. And, and to add to that, one of the things that um, we don't have any real, real, real evidence yet, but I think it's going to be proven out in the long run is I think it's going to block autoimmune disease. Interesting because a lot of autoimmune disease has to do with damaged DNA and damaged histones um, triggering these antibodies. Hmm. And if you can bubble wrap or keep your DNA intact, you are less likely to trigger that. So along the range of, is it important for everybody? I would say that older women or people with a history of autoimmune disease in their family um, really need it. Okay. Or, or those women that, um, you know, starting to have antibodies, but haven't been diagnosed with lupus yet, or, you know, hypothyroidism and they're on Synthroid. Well, by the time you get one uh, it, um, of these diseases, it, it, could, it sort of could increase the likelihood of having more autoimmune diseases. Right. Yeah. It's like a cascade. Right. Because yeah. it's the same medical sort of etiology. Mm-hmm. And people go, oh my God, I'm horribly unlucky. I have two of the, and the answer is no, you're not. It's just the same damn thing. Yeah, because so you I had one. Really, <laughs> I really think that that's a population that's truly considerate and have it on, you know, high on their list. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I know that it's, it's but it's an, it becomes an investment. It becomes a choice. Of course. I, and I, oh, you know look, and not I, to everybody. Still, there's people, even if they make the choice, it's too much for them. But if you can at all again, even taking it some of the time might be helpful. And you know, you'll, you'll laugh at me because um, you think I would remember this as my brain is finally remembering the list. Um, it is amazing for neurologic disease too. I don't know why I got this. So it penetrates the blood brain barrier. <laughs> maybe I need more spermidine. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, maybe you need to double your dose. <laughs> oh my God. No, I, I will tell you why I'm having memory issues at this very moment, but it's nothing to do with this. Um, long day, maybe <laughs> I am. No, I'm supposed to be on vacation, but 
Um, as the chief of a department, I have been blitzkrieged with disaster after disaster after disaster, number um, one. Um, number two, there is a company that is buying my protocol and I will be, so we're going through a tremendous amount of legal papers and this and that and the other. And I spent a ton of time reading legal documents rather than science like I should be doing. Oh, that'll crush anybody's brain. Um, on top of that, my daughter had her wisdom teeth out. Um, oh, no. Coping around with a, you know, a numb mouth and blood and stuff coming out. So I will absolutely apologize. My focus is not what it should be. Um, I think you're doing all right. I'm, I'm pretty sure nobody will be calling to complain. Um, okay. So you were saying about neurological disease though. Anyway. So yeah. So spermidine gets into the CNS, um, which is very important because a lot of these things that can theoretically help with uh, hippocampal neurons in culture don't actually help in real life because it has to make it through the blood brain barrier. Right. It doesn't get through. Okay. Right. And for people that don't know what that is, around the blood vessels in the brain, there are very specific cells um, that cover it so that it, there's a very, very tight restriction as to what type of molecules do actually get into the brain. So, um, and, and the brain is very, um, it's a setup for disaster is really what it is because it uses more glucose than any other organ and it yes. uses more oxygen than any other organ. So between oxidative damage and glycosylation risk, um, you're kind of screwed. And there's no cell turnover with the exception of the hippocampus, really. So you've got cells that are sitting there for you know, up to 100 years, just taking hit after hit after hit. So we really need agents that cross the blood-brain barrier to sort of increase hippocampal um, abilities. And spermidine is one of these. It increases hippocampal plasticity. Mm -hmm. So therefore, uh, increasing the plasticity will help with memory development as you get older. Love it. Yep. Love it. The other two big ones in this category, because people always say, well, what else? Um, magnesium threonate is one of my favorites and andrographolide is one of my favorites. Andrographolide? Yeah. It is a water-soluble water -soluble, uh, free radical scavenger that can get through the blood-brain barrier and it definitely has been shown to decrease neural inflammation, which is a big problem. Um, the onset of like Alzheimer's and a variety of the other neurological uh, problems. Okay. Well, and magnesium three and eight, I think it's just, it's great for sleep. It's great for so many different things and it's easy to find. There's so many of these supplements now that incorporate it. So well, I think that, well, three and eight is really interesting because uh, last time I looked and I, I could be wrong, most of it all comes from magnesium. Yeah. There's a pretty tight restriction on that based on the guy that invented it. And, you know, he sells it to other companies. So if you look it up, every bottle, if you turn it around says magnesium. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's got a lock on that because we know that it's a high quality, right? You don't have to really worry about who's making it because it's the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've here, I've got some here. Yeah, there it is. Boom. Magnesium L3 and 8. Yep. <laughs> Little TM on it. So, I, I mean, I went out of my way to see if I could find any other company that made it and, and I couldn't, I mean, there may be some esoteric something somewhere, but every, every bottle I looked at was Mectine. Okay. Well, kudos to him. He's made as you said, I mean, it, at least it ensures that you know what you're getting. So, okay. Well, that's our, our third, con third contestant, who, uh, which, which might just make the foundations list or at I, least I think for people, for people who can bring themselves to make that investment. It's, it should be on the foundations list. Yes. I, I absolutely concur. Um, and yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll see when I start putting out uh, different programs for, for book two, 
people may not like me and it may cost a, a little bit of money, but all but, beneficial in the end. Well, and you know, the other thing about something like spermidine that checks so many boxes is it's one of the points you made earlier is if it checks that many boxes on its own, it may save you from having to use other things. So at the end of the day, it, it may look expensive on paper, but if it's saving you from having to use seven other things, A, you don't have to swallow as many capsules and B, it may save you money down the road in the long run anyway. So there's always that. Yep. Agreed. It's all math. All right. So what else can we, what, what have we missed? I don't think we've missed anything. I think we're, when's the book coming out? That is an excellent question. 90% of it is written. Wow. Um, I probably have two to three more chapters to turn into something moderately entertaining. And then I have to go back and write all of my really dumb jokes, which usually require me to have a glass of wine so that things seem <laughs> funny when they probably really aren't. Um, I think you're entertaining. I'm sorry. I, I love the first book just because it's the jokes that keep me going. <laughs> <laughs> well, for anyone that hasn't re- read it, I, I, I readily apologize because <laughs> it was so funny. So I'm, I'm middle-aged and I would put my jokes in there and I would pass it to a friend of mine who actually works with me, but he's, he's a millennial. Um, and no sense he, of humor. He, well, it was a different sense of humor and he started adding emojis and then they got ridiculous. And then I would cross his out and he would cross mine out. And then it became this war of really bad jokes. Um, and so some of them I think are funny. Some of them are probably not, but it, you know, sort of it, the idea is to sort of keep everyone in the audience entertained and we'll go through that same process this time, hopefully with better jokes, no guarantees. It's kind of like having whipped butter. It's still <laughs> butter, but it's fluffy. There's something about whipped butter that's just made better. It is. It is better. Yeah. It's right? more palatable, right? It's, it's fluffier. It just, there's something about it. So it's kind of like the same thing. It's science light. Yes. I mean, the science is there. Yes. It's just, it's just presented in a way that'll keep you awake and keep you entertained and it'll stick. Ooh, well said. Well said. You're my new agent. Thank you so much. Anytime. <laughs> I don't have one at all. So it's going to be a very easy thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so actually, you know what? I'll ask you one last question before I let you go. So aside from taking all these fabulous compounds and supplements and building your protocol, what else do you tell people? who come to you and say, look, I want a slow aging. I want to live as long as possible. What are, what are two or three things you would say to them that they absolutely have to do from a, that isn't, that doesn't involve taking a pill. Right. So, so, so number one, depending on what your dietary choices are, we all know what's good for you and what's sort of not good for you. If you're living a life where you eat hot dogs every day, perhaps you should consider a more (laughs) healthy diet. (laughs) Okay. Um, you know, we're, I, I don't tell people to take a keto diet or this or that or the other, because that, that's very much personal choice. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we all know that eating Twinkies every day is, you know, it's a little detrimental. So clean up your diet as best as you can without being crazy, because I don't want to drive anyone crazy. Yeah. Secondly, exercise is absolutely mandatory. You have to do something to keep everything moving. There's absolute evidence that if you sit still, you become a couch potato, you will lose years of life and, 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 and health for that matter. And, you know, people don't have to climb mountains or do anything crazy like I do. Um, you know, go for a walk around the park, do something, swim, yoga, dance, whatever it is, the more you move, the better you will feel. So those are two super easy things to do. Um, and then when it gets to 
popping pills, I like to think of it as the baseline for optimizing your cellular health. And people can take an aggressive strategy or they can take a minimal strategy. It's, it's all up to them. Um, once one's cells are theoretically optimized, depending on how old you are, then of course there are a zillion other steps to take. And in no way do I feel like poo-pooing anything else because I think everything's sort of cumulative. Mm -hmm. um, and before we were talking, obviously there's peptide therapy, there's stem cell therapy, there's exosomes, there's gene therapy, sort of hormones, hormones. There are a variety of, oh, I sort of put that in the peptide. Oh, okay. Well, wh whatever in the category of adding back things that you're missing, I, I guess would, would be a better way of phrasing that. And, yeah. there's, and there's many ways of doing that. Right. But if you can optimize yourselves to make it uh, your own stuff endogenously, it's probably a little better for you. But mm -hmm. if you can't, then absolutely add back what you don't have. Um, and then of course, everything goes from there. Gene therapy is a little expensive right now and somewhat experimental. I think ultimately that might be the way to go. Stem cells probably fall in the same category. They're more common, but you have to leave the country for them. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of exosomes right now. I just think they're amazing. I use them probably every other month and I just feel like a million bucks when I do it. Oh, you do yourself. I do. I do. And but do you do no that way, in, like, huh? in the States or do you go elsewhere for it? No, you can order them. There's exosome companies all over the United States. Nice. Yeah. They come frozen and uh, it says not for IV use, but of course I'm a doctor. So I use them. <laughs> IV. Yeah. Um, just, uh, you know, a month or so ago, I took some and injected them into my face to see what would happen. But I've had, you know, I just, it, they made me feel a lot better. And you, you know? look fabulous. I mean, well, it's, it's funny you should say that because I'm wearing seven layers of makeup right now because I just came from laser therapy. And when I wash my face, I will look like I've got leprosy. <laughs> you are hilarious. Okay. No, I did. I was, it was so funny because, and this is not something you necessarily have to know, but it's just bizarrely entertaining. So I have something called Laser Club. Um, and a few of us get together and we invite, uh, a friend of mine who owns a laser company and he just lasers us and everyone always says well what lasers are you using and the answer is it depends what he thinks we should have so it's kind of like a book club only it involves lasers yes i That's love exactly that right. we, we all show up to a certain designated location <laughs> and um get lasered and it's you know brown spots red spots wrinkles this that the other it hurts like heck and we all scream and holler and curse and it's good for therapy um, and then you leave and you usually look really horrible. Um, and then a week later, your skin looks amazing. And I've been doing it for 19 years. Wow. And today was laser day and I couldn't reschedule it when I knew I had to do this. So I'm wearing innumerable layers of makeup because you really think, oh my God, she looks terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> Why would I believe her? Um, and we talked about this earlier. We may or may not be putting out the video on this one, but you know, maybe we will because I actually think Sandra looks great even with her seven <laughs> layers of makeup. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like a real person. That's like you're supposed to. I am a real person. Yeah, I know. That's a beautiful thing. Okay. Well, listen, I think, uh, I think we've covered a fair amount of ground. Maybe what we'll do is we'll plan another chat for when the book comes out and Perfect. Um, I'll spend some time with the book then and, uh, and we'll dig in a little deeper, but I, I mean, right now, just with the reishi and the Eclonia cava and the spermidine, I think we're way ahead of the game right there. Sweet. Oh, this is so much fun. I would, I would love to come back and uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll bring like just a list of really bizarro, exciting facts. How about that? Amazing. Okay, perfect. That, that's like, that's like, I don't know, a nerdy geeky person's dream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
All right. Exactly. All right. Well, Sandra, thank you so much. And um, good luck with all the things you've got going on, the new app, the, all the legalese things you were doing. And well, um, with any luck a year from now, it will be a big giant company and I can quit my real job and spend all of my time doing longevity. And that would just be a dream come true. Well, I think if that's your dream, I would guess that that will, if that's what you really want, that's where you're going to end up. So, uh, so fingers crossed. Part two guys coming whenever, whenever uh, you see your way through the rest of the process. Cause I'm going to guess that finishing a book is a little bit like losing the last five pounds. <laughs> yeah. It gets harder the closer you get to the finish line. <laughs> that's really funny. And that's absolutely true. I learned that the last time I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. But yes. All right. The other thing is I am so cheap. I never like to pay real editors. So if any of your folks want to uh, crowdsource my editing skills, I'm, I'm more than happy. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit a couple chapters. Just send them over. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Sandra. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application, just answered a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.